You know that there's that kid from your neighborhood who grew up to go and do amazingly crazy things. We've all got them, right? Well, for me, Bobby is one of those. This conversation was one that has been scheduled and rescheduled again throughout time, and it felt great to finally sit down and have this corridor with the bro. It was awesome to catch up. Throughout our conversation, we explore narratives of lineage or whakapapa and how growing up influences your imagination and the utter strength of femininity and how it can influence the world. A story of how we can learn to uh, own our own uniqueness as a loner is a pretty freeing conversation, probably one of the more um, liberating or free-flowing ones I'd had for a long time. We, of course, touch on the arts, both fashion and film, and the interesting adventure of a par boy coming out to claim his sexuality as well. It's definitely a corridor for every ear. This is Life Lessons, Hidings and Getting Told Off with Bobby Campbell-Luke right here on Best Side. All right, bro. Excited. We've been trying to tee this up for a very, very long time. But <laughs> hey, such is life. Kia ora mai, bro. Kia ora. So, tēra pā mōrātou mai nei. For everyone that is uh, listening to us, could you just briefly uh, explain who you are and and what you're up to? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Where to begin, eh? Yeah, I know. I feel like that's been a, been a repeat button for the last Oh, day. you should be well rehearsed yeah. then. <laughs> um, well, obviously, my name is Bobby. Uh, Ngā uri o Taranaki, uh, Ngā uri o uh, Ngā Tiruanui. Uh, hapu, ko Tāmo e Te Awa. Um, yeah, ko Taranaki Mangati Tōhe Tūturu. Um, so I reside in Wellington at the moment, mm-hmm. and I am currently a lecturer in social innovation at the School of Architecture. Um, I have a brand called Campbell Luke, and my practice is around the making of clothes and cloth, um, and I'm also uh, a maker around the lens or the moving image in photography. Um, yeah, pretty much sums me up. Mean bro, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you because like we haven't had a chance to actually no. properly catch up. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'd say I'm pretty close with your whanau and and there's always been like times where we bumped into each other at concerts yeah. and things like that and we haven't had a proper talk because either one or both of us is inebriated and um, obviously um, one of your mums um, yeah. was always on me to catch up and have a <laughs> with. I'd say one of my mums too one of my favourite people to tease at my time when I was at Te Korimako yeah. I did say to the girls when we were sitting there watching you quarter last night I said hey is mum still smoking they're like yep and I was yeah. like man it used to be my favourite thing to do at Te Korimako was to hide yeah. her cigarettes from her and her, and her car keys <laughs> and everyone be going, oh, Diane again. And I'm cracking up going, well, this time it was actually me, but she's going to be listening now and probably pinching my ears from afar. So, bro, take us back to the start. What What, what is your first memory? Um, I guess you're going off our talk last night. Mm. Moments and memories within my practice are, uh, within my practice is important. And I think the idea of nostalgia where we think about things that influence us now mm-hmm. where we where we are as mokopuna growing up i think there are moments in there where there are subliminal knowledges happening when you're in certain spaces and i think for me it was just being on the marae being growing up on the on the mm-hmm. marae and just being around that space and it's that's what really um, became my signature in terms of uh, now in my in my career in my practice um, 
so when I look at clothes, it's probably uh, the cloth and the clothing part of my practice is pretty much something that's secondary, really. The lens is first because the lens is the easiest way to see and picture things. Mm. Eh? Yep. And um, so the clothes had, the clothes have come secondary. Those moments have become have become primary. And um, but I. St- that's so good. <laughs> um, but um, I guess where it all started was I was a creative kid at high school. Um, I did all the arts. I did every single art I ever did um, or could. It wasn't my safe space. Um, I had a hard time at high school. Mm-hmm. I um, uh, yeah, it was very hard. I went to a, I went to a all Catholic school, and I probably could say that was a majority non Maori school. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time I was coming out, I was, I was um, trying to find myself and where I wanted to be and, and being creative and being in a creative arts really helped me with that. So I started, to, the photography became the biggest thing of my practice during that time mm-hmm. and then painting as well. Uh, I went to, I did a certificate in art and design visual arts and then went into fashion. And then after that, visual arts, and now PhD. Almost ten years later. Whew. Yeah, I can't. I, I must say, I've been in the education system for <laughs> twenty-five years, and I have not stopped. And I'm in my last six months of it. Truly? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, thin, I'm thinning it out. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's where it all kind of like. So if you think back to like your primary school days, mm-hmm. to tell me about like a, a typical day or a typical time with you during primary school. Primary school, oh hell. Um, <laughs> it would be, oh, wake up, watch Teletubbies, have a toast, <laughs> um, magic school bus. Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I don't want to say I'm a 90s kid hard, but mm. I'm probably about midway. Yep. Um, Can I ask without being rude how old you are, bro? Is that 28? Yeah, yep, sweet. Yeah, 28. I'm yep. 28 years old. Far out 28. <laughs> oh, God, 29 in the next couple of months. Oosh, parties. Yep. Um, what did I do? What did I do as a kid? I actually, used to, I actually used to sit by myself heaps and play in the sand. I was quite a bit, I was a bit of a loner. I didn't really, I didn't really talk to anyone. I didn't have much friends. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was just, I was just a quiet kid. I was reserved. I didn't want to make a noise or do anything. But, yeah, I, I had a big imagination. So I just started to think about things. And, yeah, it was all in my head, being that all that artwork time, kind of stuff, that wiping it off. And it's still, that's how I think, that kind of way of thinking or creating and imagining as a kid is still something that I kind of do today. Like, you often see me when I'm trying to fi- figure out something, I'm just looking into space going, oh, yep, 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 and then boom. Putting the jigsaw puzzle yeah, together in your yeah, head, yeah. seeing what fits. It's out of it, it's out of it. When people ask me, how do you do, like, you know, how do you do this and do that? And it's like, well, it's, I think it's actually quite hard to answer. But when you start to imagine things, you imagine things, you, you give them tasks. And then once you can task them or connect them to something, then you're like, oh yeah, okay, so I need to do this, 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 and this. And um, and it does it does become a little bit more less imaginative as you get older too. It um, actually becomes a little bit more harder, I think, because you start to um, conform and assimilate with other things around you. 
And that's why I think it's important to have influences as you're growing up in a creative practice that you can look up to. Like for me, it was uh, Marita Mita. We did the documentaries growing up. Um, those were little signifiers for me. Um, also, growing up, I knew the Pacific Sisters. They were they were the um, they were the foundations of a lot of Pacifica and Maori fashion activations. Oh yeah. And um, they were the likes of Lisa Rehana, um, all of them. And I had them to look up to in terms of those, that kind of space. So I'm always thinking that it's important to um, have that kind of influence. But um, again, being more, a little bit more authentic, I had one in front of me and that was my mum. But um, yeah. Mean bro, yeah. when you talk about being like alone and spending a lot of alone time, and this might be different for you, but a lot of people I speak to, the ones that do spend a lot of time alone, you know, they I guess they, they say they don't have many friends and stuff though, but they actually find that they connected really well to two or three generations above. Mm. Did you have that with a lot of komatua and stuff like that, or queer? Did you um, kind of find, even though you like to do alone time, did you mm. find that when you were around them, you could actually engage quite well for yeah. someone quite young? Yeah, I think I, I, I've always been able to have more of a conversation with an older person than I did with my younger cousins. I'd be with my younger cousins, but there was no... Right, no depth, eh? No, I couldn't, I couldn't, growing up, I couldn't really talk about what I wanted to you know, talk about, I guess. And I think, yeah, that's probably why I've got older friends at the moment. Mm. And it's quite, it's quite funny though. I didn't really realise until I got older that I didn't, I couldn't really hold a conversation with my younger cousins who were all about this, this and that. Yeah. I just never got into it. I was a nanny boy. I was a, I was a little nanny boy. I, I just grew up around my aunties and that's, that's all I knew. But it was quite cheeky though, because I would be told things that I don't think that I, would, I should have been told, or things would be said around me that I don't think things should have been said. But um, when think, you get that, oh, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that there's a beauty in that being in that um, um, tacit knowledge around those those kinds of exchanges, because those that gossiping is a, there's a lot of knowledge to that gossiping. Yeah, who's this and who's that and who's that? Because they're actually problem solving when they do that. And that's how you can kind of learn the dynamics of a marae. When you think about those little conversations that they have in the kitchen, you know, now she wants to go in the front, and they're all important because they reflect a way of problem solving on the marae, and then you can learn from that, and you can then you can kind of pinpoint places of um, where you can engage in it. So I've been blessed to be able to be within that space. Um, be just going to a just going to a meeting, like, you know, their monthly meetings, taking minutes, um, being able to contribute to it, um, because I think I would be usually the youngest one in there, mm-hmm. um, and they all have their dramas and everything. I'm like, mm, you know, <laughs> and I'm in it, and I'm in it for yeah, but um, yeah, mean bro, because yeah, like I said, I find that is quite common for people that claim to spend a lot of time alone or be an outsider or be alone they connect really well to an older generation and it's funny I've never thought of it but since you brought it up I want to speak to that a little bit more about the the politics that you learn of like the marae and things like that from our 
Alquia and Komatsua too, because there is, you know, it just happens in different places. There's Aumuamu that happen on the Pai Pai. And I mean Aumuamu respectfully, I don't mean in a whingy sense, but it happens just as much in the kitchen as on the Pai Pai. So when we talk about, I guess, your connection to all these mana wahine, because that is like a big thing that obviously stood out in your corridor last night and in in all your mahi today, Mm. is that you've had these massive influences by some awesomely strong women in your life. Can you speak a little bit about those, like things that you've learned from all these manawahine? You spoke a little bit about the politicking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the gossip. Um, I guess, what, what, simply put, it's life lessons, it's hidings, it's getting, a t- it's getting told off. Mm-hmm. All of those little things, when you're, when, you're, when you're being told to not play on the mattress, there's a reason for it. Mm. And it is in those little things that I, those little telling offs and little whatever hidings or lessons that you'd be taught that I find that my, um, where I pinpoint where I take my inspirations from because I notice it more. And being a quiet kid and being a bit of a loner, you kind of observe those things a little bit more. Mm. And um, I can't, you know, just watching like Auntie Trish making her, making her steam pudding She's talking to me about things. She's like, you know, and I think in that in the, in my mum's generation, they would always say, you know, they never got told what to do. You just got to look at what they do. There's always there's always silences and gaps between them. So when we grow up as kids, when I grew up as a kid. I was observant. I was never really told to do anything. You learned by looking. If, if I could see my mum doing something in a ritualistic way, cleaning the toilet straight after a tummy, cleaning the toilet straight after a hui, cleaning the toilet after a meeting, obviously you clean the toilet after something happened. Mm. So, I didn't, so I didn't have to ask her, oh mum, do I have to go t- clean the toilet? Like those little things, those are the, those are the, there's a methodology in it. And that repetitive ritualistic tikanga um, or kawa that is part of the marae. And even doing the dishes where how how to put something away properly. You know, you can see that you can see on this side, oh yeah, all of the details are all kind of coordinated. Okay, I must have to do that. Do I have to go and ask it? No, just look and then you do it. Same with the dining room, you do the same thing, and those are the those are the encounters and um, um, things that I've put in place in terms of what I do now. That makes sense. Um, yeah. It sounds like you've gained a lot of like processes and um, yeah. I can't think of the word, like not routines, but almost like. Yeah. But it's all, it's all honest, funny, bro. Like the way you speak about the marae and arrangements and kawa and things like that. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean to gas you up too much here, but it's, 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 it reminds me of like the Matrix, like reading, yeah. you know, reading, reading, the, reading yeah, things yeah. and seeing the patterns and knowing, okay, I know what to do here. Did you ever have moments, because a lot of us have these in our adolescent times, but, you know, I, I noticed a lot of people who, who call themselves loners and like to have a lot of alone time. This doesn't apply so much, but you mentioned that these moments, okay, I see this pattern, so that obviously means I do this. Did you ever stop and question those patterns? Or was it, no, you can't because you get a smack on the bum or whatever? I would, I would, I would. Or even challenge them? Yep, yep, and I'd validate it. You get the, oh, okay, you do it, and then someone will go, oh, no, Bob did that. 
and then obviously ask someone that validates the reason for the change. Mm. And I do that with my practice now. I do that when I do that when I'm challenging something. I always make sure there's a validation for it. And that's why I go back to what I said yesterday. Whatever I do, there's a um, there's a there's a waka papa to it. It, it, it can that can mean anything. It can it's a reciprocal relationship. So I'm validating the reason why I did that because there's always a because. And um, when you're challenging that, it's not to come across malicious. It's to come across being a little bit more innovative in how you how you process those things. Mm whether it's a knife on the other side or a spoon over there by the fork. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Or putting the tea towel in a different exactly. cupboard that's closer or something. Because, because that's a methodology of research, that's a methodology of a practice that you can use. So those, those little things can be a tangible um, way of making. And not only in, like in, in society in general, I believe, but especially in our Māori world, it can be very hard to introduce contemporary stuff to tradition. Mm. How do you find that? Um, that's been something that's always a challenge. Mm. You know, um, I think it's taken my mum my, my to understand what I've been doing for years, and I don't think she still doesn't understand <laughs> what I'm doing for years. But again, the benefit of it is that it is, it's not for the past. This is for now and the future. I can sit and have a conversation with my sisters and tell them about it the same way I do with my mum and they understand it because they've got a different mind. Mm. But the most important thing that always needs to be recognised when I, when I do my work is acknowledgement. You know, to making sure that this person's acknowledged because I know that that's been their influence. And you know, my mum validates a lot of things for me. There's, a, there's an ethical process around it. And making sure that I don't takahi on anyone's mana, that we all can agree that oh, yeah, this is what Bob's doing. He's asked permission. He's done this and done that. And when you put those, when you formalise those things, it becomes okay. And then people start to know. And when, when people start to talk that it's, you know, oh, that's not right. Oh, no, 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 no. That's when I'll go and I'll say, well, okay, so what do you suggest? I'll follow it because you obviously, you know, are upset about it. What, what do we want to do? Thankfully, I haven't been through that yet. <laughs> but I'm waiting for it. Yeah. And it's, and it's a good lesson to learn and it's a good process to go through. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of it's really, like, when that, when that hurdle comes, so to speak, my belief anyway, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, bro, a lot of it's just taming your own ego, right? Yeah. Because you're only going to get upset yeah. if if you feel like, I don't know, if you kind of got some boastful pride about the way things should be. Whereas if you're actually trying to achieve the goal, mm-hmm. which has got everyone's well-being in mind, yeah. then the... Is that right? Like, yeah, do you think? Much, yeah, yeah. Um, but you've still got to deal with it. Yeah, true. There's, there's a way you have to, you have to deal with it. And you have to deal with it in a sensitive way. Um, and that just keeps you normal as well when, you, when you're doing your money. But, um, yeah. Touching on whānau, bro, because whānau is obviously something that's come up a lot. You've mentioned um, your, your sisters, your siblings, and also your mums. They use the word plurally. So <laughs> can you kind of um, explain that situation, I guess, for, for, for our listeners? Because 
I, I kind of understand yeah, what's going yeah, on, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, so just because um, I saw some faces last night, bro, that were a little bit confused. <laughs> so I should have actually asked that at the Q and A. But um, yes, that's right. Um, uh, how should I explain this? So I am one of eight, including my sisters. My I've got. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I have to count. Oh, good. Oh, Nathaniel, Shahine, Nathaniel, Shahine, Sarah, Tipuhi, Moana, Craig. I know. Yeah. Um, I'm missing a few. Anyway, there's about, we'll just say 10 of us. Yep. And so, Mum and Mum Robert um, and Mum Diane, they had adopted me out and they gave me to a beautiful woman called um, Alison Luke, who had also had two kids. Uh, but growing up, I never had a disconnection. I grew up knowing that I had two mums. And my whole life, I've always had to explain why I called two of these people my mum. And um, it's just become normal to me that I've just got a big family. Yep. And um, yeah, it's never, it's never, it's never crossed my mind. Like it's never, I'm just unique in that way. And I'm probably it's privileged to have that many family members and being able to switch it up and go over here. Oh, I feel like I'm, <laughs> oh no, I feel like I'll go back. Oh no, 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 I'll go back. How are your How are your mum's Fano or Fanonga? How, how? Um, mum, they're both Luke's, um, but I think they're different Luke's. Okay. Um, so my mum, Mum Allison, she's actually uh, Porco and a Waikiri Puru. And and then mum, mum's mum is a Luke from from back home, and. I think Mum Allison's first husband was a Luke also, and it's where that Luke comes from. Um, and then I think the Mum Diane Luke is a different Luke, so I'm kind of blessed to have two different Luke. So it's like I, 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 easy to keep yeah, track of with yeah, one name, though, eh? Yeah, <laughs> and kind of my last name represents both of them. I always think so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then Campbell Wawa is obviously my real dad's name. That's. I have literally his name. Actually, I got I got Bobby Campbell Wahawaha, and his name is Robert Campbell Wahawaha. Oh, so your name is actually Bobby? Yeah. Ah, I thought yeah. it was a nickname because of Robert. No. Ah, no, no, I thought you had the full the full fledged yeah, name. But I got my father's name, and that was my great grandfather's name. And I think that he was he was a tito, he was married to a Tito. Uh, yeah. So there you go, Fano, for those wanting to know. Hopefully that, that wasn't yeah, too... Yeah. <laughs> that's really right. It made me think too. <laughs> I've never had to think about it. Well, that's good, though. Yeah. That, that means it's been a seamless relationship, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Well, you mentioned as well one of the the big growth moments or a part of your, like, I don't want to say struggle, but for lack of a better term, your, one of your struggles coming up was coming out. Mm. I was wondering if you could speak to that and I guess how that process was for you because I know there's going to be someone listening going through this um, I do understand it is a very personal question so if it's something you don't want to speak to bro all good, all good. but yeah I just wanted to when I turned 16 
I had glitter coming out of my arms. <laughs> I was the most colourful thing you could ever see. I had pink hair, blue hair, what else? Black, red. Black hair, red hair, like I just... I was a, I was a, <coughs> I was a ram, rainbow fart. <laughs> um, I didn't necessarily struggle, struggle. I did struggle at school. But I think like any other coming out story, you all kind of struggled at school. Mm. Um, what sort of things did you struggle with at school? I went to, majority of that my school was non-Māori and I don't think they could grapple with the idea. I could go to, um, let's say, I had more friends in like LaSalle or James Cook, which were like brown schools, you could call it, and I would fit in a little bit more than I did at this school, it was a Catholic school. And um, again, the, the arts, my visual arts room was the most safest place I could have. But at the same time, I, mum struggled with it. My mum struggled with it. She didn't know what to say. Um, but um, it wasn't hard, hard. School life was hard. Um, Pardon my ignorance, bro. I'm trying to think of a way to ask this, but um, I'm hoping you know that I'm not actively yeah, no, being a dickhead yeah, here. Yeah. Um, it's, and like I said, pardon my ignorance if I'm asking this completely wrongly and in no way, shape or form meant to be disrespectful, but did you have, like, I guess, a moment where it was kind of like, am I or aren't I? Or no, you knew? Oh, hell. I remember watching Dragon Ball, Z's, well, Dragon Ball Z with my cousins and I was like, I'm not watching this because it looks cool. And I... <laughs> <laughs> And I clicked, I was going, oh, okay. <laughs> How old are you in the Oh, that? hell, I think I was about 14, 15. Yep. Um, oh, it's, it's out of it when I think about that, because the more stuff comes up. Yeah, for sure. Like, oh, Yugi. Be epiphany after epiphany, Honestly, right? it was out of a bit of a fetish, I think. <laughs> Anime. Yeah, far <laughs> um, But, yeah, it wasn't until that... Um, and then I started to see, you know, you start to see uh, gay characters come on to TV. Mm -hmm. um, I think you remember, I don't know, what was his name on Shortland Street? They had one on there for like 2010 or like 2007 or something like that. I remember watching that and then Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I remember watching that thinking, oh. I remember like, that being huge. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can relate. Like, like after watching all of those things and uh, I think it was Ugly Betty was another one and all of those influences helped me and then I think I remember on the bus I think we were listening to The Edge The Edge when we were going to school and I think that's when Mike Peru come out and then I think everyone like looked at me like you're all good. Like, oh, you're cool now. Oh, because you, yeah. you feel like him yeah. doing what he did kind of validated? Yeah, yeah. a little bit, because that was the buzz. That was the buzz in the morning show, mm. like on our bus, because, oh, that was where it hit worse for me. Because uh, you go out of school, you're on the bus, everyone's just... You know one's domain, I've eh? I've been spit on, I've been... Fuck. I've been... Uh, yeah, all of that stuff. But my story's not... It's not unique. Mm. It's pretty much it's pretty much like a lot, but seeing it now, it's like wow! Like it's so children. The if children think uh, it's normalised with them these days, and um, I must say I don't I don't even give it a thought anymore. I don't even like 
I think it's at that point in my life when I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I've never encountered any kind of homophobic or whatever. Not since those days on the bus no, sort of thing? No, no, I've never had a problem with it. Yeah. They mentioned um, your mum wasn't too sure what to do. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell me about that, your, I guess, your conversations with both of your parents. Like, how did you, yeah. how did, yeah. how'd you bring it up? Or? Uh, mum was cracking up. She was like, <clears throat> she was like, oh, are you puffy bob? <laughs> <laughs> That's the word, eh? That's the I mean, word. puffy bob? And I'm going... So oh, she said it to you. Yeah. She brought it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I kind of mentioned it. And then she started going, oh, you're, you're puffy bulb. And I go, huh? I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, you know, Harry packed the front. And I'm going, oh, what? <laughs> what does that mean? She was like, you know, puffy. And I was like, oh. And then just, it just kind of like, we stopped the conversation ever since. But um, it was, it's hard to talk about things in front of her. Mm. Um, but I think along the track, it's just about, it's just, you know, experiencing little things with me and doing what I need to do. I had a bit of a going out all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't too much of a roller coaster, but we good now. Me? Yeah. In like any journey, eh? Do you get yeah. there in the end? Yeah, hard. And I'm pretty complacent with it. Yeah. So one thing you mentioned that I really wanted to, I was excited to speak to you about today as well, that you mentioned last night was your, uh, your two weeks that you bunked school to go and oh, help out at Fashion Week. Tell yeah. me about that, bro. Yeah. So, like, every <laughs> one year I had the opportunity, I actually, no. So, Fashion Week in New Zealand, you had to do an interview if you wanted to be a volunteer or something. So, um, I had interviewed on the Monday. I went to school. I had a bag full of clothes. Um, and at the time, you could leave lunchtime and go outside of school. So, I left... <laughs> I left school at lunchtime, went to the cafe across the road, got changed, came out, caught a bus, caught a bus to town, had my interview, had a, um, got their job with an usher at Fashion Week, and then I come back, I come back, got changed, went back into school and jumped on the bus and went back home. And then I got a phone call that same, that same day saying, oh, you, you, can, you can volunteer for the next two weeks. And then every day I took two clothes, two pairs of clothes. <laughs> I had my uniform and I had my I had my um, clothes for when I get there. And the, it was actually quite funny because there's a lady in this cafe that the train used to stop at, and I'd get off and get changed and walk over to the viaduct. And that lady would notice me. I still talk to her today. Me? Yeah, like I still have her on Facebook. She's like, well done, like. Done so well since your high school days. I don't even. Ex- I should have mentioned that last night. Um, so how did she like tell like, me about that interaction? Like, did she I, call you out at all? Did she no, just say, "Hey, I know no, you're doing. I've no, seen you get changed." Like, yeah, pretty much, a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. She was like, "So what are you doing?" Because I had a lanyard at said Fashion Week. She was like, "Oh, okay." And it wasn't until maybe the second or third year, because she owned the cafe, mm. that she was like. Have you, been, have you been working school? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And then, like, yeah, it's just, she's kind of blossomed ever since then. She actually came to my show last year. Mean. I love that stuff. Like, she was like, you've seen it from the beginning. So. She's seen, like, the, yeah. the hustle and the mischief that yeah. you got up to to make yeah. your dream a reality, right? Yeah, and then, you know, whilst you're, whilst you're um, being in, volunteering there, like, back then, the Fashion Week was pretty, like, elitist. It was pretty much, you know, 
who's the who, who's the what, and it felt kind of cool. Like, oh, yeah, I felt so cool. Mm. You know, you were fifteen, did you say? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Um, oh, yeah, fifteen, seventeen. Yeah, and then um, that's how I got my first job at Trilly Cooper. Okay. So um, what I had to do, what I did to get that, I on the day that I on the day of my probably the second year that I um, volunteered, I actually snuck into an after party that George FM had. <laughs> I snuck into a party, I got changed, I used my lanyard because you can go anywhere, and I went in there, took my lanyard off, and then I met a girl, I met a, oh my God, what's her name again? Um, oh hell, I her name's Sarah, I met Sarah, and then because she had just started in the industry, so she really didn't know anyone. So I was like, oh, yeah. So we started talking to each other, and then she said, oh, hey, they're looking for an intern for, like, next summer. And then, boom, I got my first I got my first internship at, at Trillis Cooper, and I was there for about four years. Far out. Yeah. So during, during the time of um, my teenage years, I actually, oh, I didn't bunk school. They had what was called a star Star course or something, mm. or something like a work experience yeah so I used that as my internship but then I got a job during the holidays like I just I swept the floor I sewed a button on I took out the rubbish I made people's cup of teas I started from the ground up mm. and then then I went back, then I went to study but um yeah I've no I've been in there I've been involved with fashion week for a lot for a very long time and like going from that to where I am now, it's just like sometimes I gotta like sit back and like talk to talk to that lady from the cafe shop and be like, shit, what's <laughs> like you know, humble beginnings, which is yeah, it's 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 it's, it's cool, it's cool. Every artist I speak to, bro, they have this moment where like your your hobby or your fascination or your dream slowly yeah. starts to shape into reality. Mm. Can you tell me about, like, when you started seeing things kind of fall into place or come together, can you tell me about your, like, holy shit kind of... <laughs> how, how that all came about? Um, or even just, yeah, it's a couple of things, I guess, when was, like, a point where you thought to yourself, shit, this could actually turn into something or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, last year I had no clue what I was doing. I just tried to, from my own experiences and my own, um, yeah, experience of, of Fashion Week, of, you know, study, all the combinations of everything that I had done in the last, I don't know, eight years, all kind of wrapped up into one show, really. And I, I didn't realise the benefit or the impact it had until it was after. So when you go from rags to riches kind of story, I'll well, see it. It's like I'm still talking about it a year later. Like, uh, like it's, I'm still like, shit. Like, it's, I didn't realize it was gonna, you know, go out this stretch out this long. And I guess that's the benefit of. I think that's the benefit of, um, you know, really thinking about what you want to do and how you process things. Because in my head, I left that show going, yeah, it was a, it was a success, but... Mm. And I think at every kind of but you do as a creative, that but can potentially be... potentially be something even bigger. So, but at the same time, that question when my nephew asked me, what do, where do you see yourself in 10 times? I'm going, no, I actually don't know yet. 
because it's all fast forwarded for me so far. And then, like, especially being in this whole COVID buzz, it's like the new normal. So, so I got like, those are the things you got to start to consider as well. And I think it's I keep need, I need to keep pumping. We all need to keep pumping in our industries because mm. creative creative industries is going to be the last thing to look at when it can, when it comes to this new normal, and it's going to affect us very very a lot a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned this as well, like you'd expect people to get a lot of mahi done during COVID, but yeah. that probably wasn't the no, case for you. It wasn't. <laughs> so it wasn't. It was just it was. It's out of it. You become lethargic. And for someone like for me, I've I've always worked from home. I've always worked from a studio at home. It's like it's out of it. You just you're a different kind of mindsets and different way. People buy differently. Um, yeah, true. People buy differently. They have your customers start to adapt to different ways of doing things. Um, but even that, I don't like commodif- commodifying my stuff has never been the forefront of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. It's never been the um, what is what is the driver? What is the forefront of what you're doing? Acknowledging a knowledge that I know of that can be used for mokopuna, and that's uh, that's the main thing. And also being able to enable the little Bobby mm. an opportunity to see something that where they can see themselves. Um, like I said last night, I've always, I always believe, we, we we think in a hundred years. Well, what's this gonna been? How is this gonna benefit them? It's it's about them. Yeah, I'm young. I'm still young, but whatever I got, I can give. And um, yeah, and I know, and I say that because it's the impact that I have seen from what I've done that it can impact something on younger generation. It sounds like bro. Just from what I do know of you, and I admit that's very little, but it sounds like you're quite methodical. And you mentioned last night that, that you were always taught by this auntie and that nanny and whatever that there's always a method to the madness. Yeah. I cracked up when you said that because I've definitely had yeah. that had that lecture yeah. a couple yeah. of times yeah. myself yeah. from our from our beloved auntie. So, when you look at what what you're doing and what you've done, mm. um, and what you're going to do, has it been? planned or has it been madness that you can now make sense of madness that i can make sense of okay i was actually going to sign off last night with so there's a method to my madness that madden that madness is starting to be a little bit more articulate than what i thought but um yeah like mad when i think of when I'm, there's a method to my madness i think of what kuros kurohudangi said that um when the world was created it was a big bang and you know western worlds would call it chaos but we call it cyclic forms of interaction and that's how i see this madness is that there it's a cyclical way of thinking mm. it's a it's a it's a circular way of thinking it's like interpretive madness yeah like a madness that's yeah because madness automatically um suggests like What's the word like? Um, I don't want to say controllable, but you know, un unreadable, uncohesive, right? Yeah. Whereas, from what, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that madness can still exist, but it can still be, like, you can still dance with it, yeah. As opposed to just having no yeah. control and watching it make yeah. chaos around you, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Rather, rather than thinking something linear, it's just going to be a constant form of redeveloping, reimagining, reconfiguring, and reclaiming. 
and those are the states of what those that madness means to me. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and once again, you mentioned COVID. Like that's kind of a perfect example, right? Yeah. It's what's forcing us to reinvent our madness. way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Our madness. Hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Main So we've covered kind of, I guess, how how you came into doing your your arts and also your your own personal journey and your interaction with your siblings. Tell me more about your your siblings. How do you guys kind of? <laughs> Keep each other grounded, and, and what kind of what <laughs> contribution have they made to to your mahi? Do you think? Um, wow, they all have different dynamics. They've all got different personalities. Um, fortune. Poor Nathaniel can't get a word in, no, can he? No, probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 a good lot. Uh, they all have like I all like for me. I have the I have the privilege of going to each one individually mm. and they all go they all have a benefit in terms of bouncing off I actually I really do I bounce off my sisters and um, it's a plethora of perspectives yeah, isn't it pretty much. Like, and like I know they don't hold back so, yeah, no. <laughs> so so when you talk about how you've got your different consultants yeah, yeah. you've got the best you've got the best there is yeah. because they don't hold back yeah. um Henny, who is a who is a hairdresser, has obviously been one of the um, one of the core core parts of my mahi. Because mm. on a way we have a little bit of a, a, um, a similar wavelength in terms of you know fashion, hair, hairdressing, and makeup. We can talk about those things. I can ask her opinion. Um, she can deal with my stress. She knows how I go. And I think I think it's important. I also think it's important that you have those few people, when you are in that creative space, know what you're like. Like, if I'm stressed, if I'm stressed out, you already know not to not to ask if you need anything done because I'm gonna I'm I want to do it myself. So I want, those are one of the biggest things. Um, but then you need the sister. You just want to just listen to you. And then you've got the sister who you want to talk your head off. <laughs> Um, you got your kicker, your cuddler. Yeah, pretty, everyone's, pretty much. Everyone's got their yeah, role. pretty much. And and then you got my brother Nathaniel. Ah, oh, he's just Nathaniel. <laughs> he does right. what he's told. He's all right. He's good. He just comes for the good times. Yes, we just sit there and have a beer. Mainly each other. And sometimes it's all you but need, yeah, right? Yeah, hard, hard. And so yeah, yeah. And then my older brothers and sisters, um, they have been my my go-tos in terms of when it comes to spaces that I don't know about, like uh, when I go to Te Poi'i or if I go to my brother Joseph, it's always around Altico mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm, what I'm saying is right and, um, and not making a fool of myself. They're my advisors. Mm. Um, I've been very fortunate to have Te Poi'i as one of mine too. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my brothers, my older brothers are always are always there for me, and um, my older sister's always there too. Uh, she's another dynamic to the space as well, <laughs> and I also have beautiful nieces and nephews, and I'm fortunate enough to have my three sisters who are who have uh, younger nieces and nephews and a new one from Nathaniel. Um, that I'm able to share that experience 
what I'm going, what I'm doing now with them. Because mm-hmm. then they'll be like, oh, is that what Uncle does? Because, you know, they never really get to see what I do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really for them to learn about. Cool, bro. Yeah. Last question, and it's just, I guess, um, some call it my token question, but I just make sure I ask everyone who appears on the podcast. Yeah. There's someone right now who's listening that's going through a bit of a rough time. Yeah. Bearing in mind you're not a health professional, um, <laughs> but what would be your best piece of advice to help them climb out of that dark spot at the moment? Um, find what you love and just keep going at it. Just keep doing it. I always said to myself, your creativity is never going to leave you. You're never going to get up and it's going to go away. And if you work on it enough in your life, um, it's going to be with you forever. So, you know, find that thing, whatever it is, and keep doing it. Make it, marry it. Because you're marrying it for life and it will never leave you. Whether you forget about it or reimagine it. Yeah. Awesome, bro. I lied. I said I had one more question. I actually got uh, one more because I just remembered. And like we mentioned off air, I asked you if there's anything that you don't want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, something that big that's happening at the moment here in Taranaki is uh, the New Plymouth District Council have established a Māori ward. Yep. Do you have any whakaaro in regards to this kaupapa? Well, I guess one well done. It's something that we've, we've been fighting for for a very long time. And we have it. We've reclaimed our space. Um, and I think being the way that a lot of what our region is about, I think we just need to keep fighting it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's that idea of, you know, we are, as Taranakitanga is around passiveness and peacefulness, I think there's times when we need to be activists in terms of voicing more when we need to. So when we have backlash, we are able to get in there and um, calling out things and projecting it so that you know other people from outside of Taranaki can see that because there's a lot of things here that need to be improved. Um, and in terms of the ward, yeah, we just need to keep fighting. There's, we, and we need to balance ourselves out to be both passive and um, yeah, and activists. It's, that's, that's, that's important. And it's important to have these conversations about it too. Um, because that's how, that's how we start to normalise it. And it, you know, talking about it is the first step. Um, I haven't been around enough to really have a good detail of it, but um, one, first of all, we need to pat ourselves on the back for it, but we just need to keep it dearly and keep it close because it's something that we've been fighting for for a very long time. Um, yeah. That's about it. Can't buy it, bro. Well, look. And I know, bro, this probably won't be the last time. So I look forward to our next catch up and I wish you all the best with everything you got going on.
how good was that little Dragon Z? Uh, Dragon Ball Z caught it all in there as well. Um, man, I lost it laughing when the bro started talking about that. And then Dragon Ball Z came on the other day while I was chilling at home. I don't think I'll be able to ever look at Dragon Ball Z the same again. Another big mehi out to the bro, Bobby Campbell Luke, for coming on the podcast. As I said, it's been a long time in the making. Uh, we're kind of intertwined by his whanau. I didn't super know him growing up, but I've had dealings uh, with his brothers and his mother as well. Um, so it's been choice, to, well, and his sisters, I should say. So it's been choice uh, finally getting down and having a, a quarter and getting to know the bro and looking forward to uh, whatever comes up for him because I know that he's going to be changing the game and definitely representing uh, Indigenous Aotearoa on a huge scale as well moving forward. Some things that he spoke about I know are going to be big and I know there was a lot that he isn't telling me too, which I feel like will also be big. All right, thank you very much for joining us for another episode here of Best Side. Make sure you catch us next time. We've got a lot happening at the moment, a lot going on. So, yeah, keep it here. Make sure you leave reviews for us. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, all those socials. And we're going to be looking at getting into a bit of video soon, too. So, keep your eyes peeled for that. Once again, thank you for joining me. We'll see you next time. Kia ora.